Hey, good morning, good morning, family. I know some people may be at work already, so you might catch this later on on the replay. Uh, if those who don't know me who are new to listening to me, my name is Tina Smoot. I am a life coach, a mentor, and a motivational speaker. Uh, um, The last few days, we have been going over the book Kingdom Principles. I've been letting it play on here so everybody can understand the kingdom of God and have no excuses because Jesus said before he came back everybody would know him everybody would know about him so this my way is put uh, this my way of putting in my work well people that are listening to my podcast won't have any excuses and I am on YouTube Tina Smoot TV I mean not Tina Smoot TV but Tina Smoot um you can follow me on YouTube, and you can follow me on TikTok at Tina Smoot. I love you guys. Like, comment, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you can know when I go live or when I post a video. I love y'all. Look, we're finna get right into it. Chapter 7. Kingdom Concept Number 4. Understanding the Kingdom Concept of Constitution. After the invasion of Iraq by the military forces of the United States and the other alliance nations, the first objective after toppling Saddam Hussein was to create a new nation. It is interesting to note that the first order of business was to construct a constitution, and it took months for that exercise to be completed. The process of nation-building could not proceed until that document called the Constitution was completed and accepted by all the principles involved. The heart of all nations empires and kingdoms is the constitution there is no nation or kingdom without a constitution in a republic the constitution is the covenant the people make with themselves and which they hire by vote a governing body to keep that covenant for them and with them in a kingdom the constitution is the king's covenant with his citizens and his kingdom in the case of the former the constitution is produced by the aspirations of the people while in the latter case, the Constitution is initiated by the King and contains the aspirations and desires of the King for his citizens and his kingdom. This is the primary distinction between a kingdom and a democratic republic. For example, the Constitution of the United States begins with the words, We the people. However, when reading the Constitution of the Kingdom of God is documented in the Scriptures, it always says, I the Lord say. Like every other governmental system, every kingdom has a constitution. The constitution of any nation has to do with the manner in which the government of that nation is organized, particularly with regard to the way sovereign power is exercised. It embodies the basic laws and principles that guide that government and lays out the specific powers and duties of that government in relation both to the people and to other nations and governments. A constitution also delineates guarantees and protects the specific rights of the people who live under its jurisdiction. Regardless of the type of government, a constitution is established by whoever exercises power. In a totalitarian state or a dictatorship, the supreme leader, along with a ruling elite of cronies appointed by him, determine the laws and conditions under which the people live, laws usually designed for their own benefit and enrichment at the people's expense. In a republic or democracy, on the other hand, power lies with the people. 
They elect leaders to represent them and then petition those leaders to enact laws and policies that will benefit the electorate. In a democracy, the leaders are answerable to the people. Those who fail to perform adequately or who violate the people's trust can be voted out and replaced. Through their elected leaders, the people establish their own constitution. As noted earlier, a kingdom is different. In a kingdom, all power resides in the king. It is the king, therefore, who establishes the constitution for his kingdom. The constitution of a kingdom is the documented will, purposes, and intent of the king. It expresses the king's personal desires for his kingdom and sets out the principles under which the kingdom will operate, as well as establishing the manner and conditions of how the king will relate to his people and they to him. A kingdom constitution is stamped with the essence of the nature, character, and personality of the king. This is why it is always good to have a king who is righteous, benevolent, and compassionate, with a genuine concern for the welfare of his citizens. A Royal Contract In a kingdom, the constitution is a royal contract that the king has with his subjects, his citizens. It is not the contract that the citizens have with the king, and this is a very important distinction. In the first, the contract originates with the king, and in the second, with the people. A contract generated by the people is a democracy, the complete opposite of a kingdom. A royal contract, on the other hand, originates completely and exclusively in the heart, mind, and will of the king. His citizens have no input concerning the terms or conditions of the contract. This is the approach the king of heaven has always taken with mankind. When God began to establish a kingdom colony on earth, he set out all the conditions and parameters beforehand. Everything was already in place by the time Adam arrived on the scene. All Adam had to do was follow the terms and conditions that God had already established. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Genesis 2, 8, 15 through 17. As you can see, this entire contractual process was completely unilateral on God's part. Adam had no input at all. In fact, when the contract was drawn up, he wasn't even around yet. After he was created, Adam simply received the completed contract from the hand of the king. The same is true regarding God's contract with Abraham. First, God determined what he was going to do, and then presented Abraham with a completed contract. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 12, 
1 through 3. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Genesis 15, 1 and 5. Such unilateralism on God's part is an expression of his sovereignty. To both Adam and Abraham, Abram, God was saying, This is my government. This is the agreement I'm making with you. You don't dictate the terms or tell me what you want. I tell you what I want for you and what I will do for you. A kingdom constitution is initiated by the king, from the king, and for the king's pleasure. A kingdom constitution, then, is the document that constitutes the king's desire for his citizens. In a republic, the constitution is the people's contract with themselves, while in a kingdom, it is the king's contract for the people. In a democracy, the people plan and decide what they want to happen to them. But in a kingdom, the people have no say. Instead, the king tells you what he wants to happen to you. This is why God would make a statement like, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. So the kingdom constitution states the king's desires for his citizens, and because he is a righteous and benevolent king, his desires are always for our greatest good and benefit. The King of Heaven wants to bless us. He wants blessings to overtake us. We are always trying to tell God what to do, especially today. Here's what I want. Here's what I want. Here's what I want. But God says, in this kingdom, I make the contracts. The King's Will and Testament In addition to being a royal contract, the constitution in a kingdom constitutes the express will of the king. It is the king's will expressed in tangible, written form. This means that the constitution is not limited to an oral contract. Putting the constitution in written form sets it up as a standard that can be measured easily, as well as making its terms and conditions clear to everyone. This is why in the kingdom of heaven we have a book called the Bible. The Bible is the expressed will of the king in written form. It is the constitution of his kingdom. As we have already seen, the words of the king become the law of the land. His words do not produce the contract. His words are the contract. And out of this contract, this constitution, comes the law. The constitution is not the law. The constitution produces the law. What I mean is that the constitution establishes the terms, conditions, and rights of life in the kingdom. This leads to laws designed with the express purpose of ensuring that all of those terms, conditions, and rights are preserved, protected, and accomplished. The Constitution is the will and the testament of the king for his citizens. Will and testament are two different but related words that are both important. A will is what is in the mind of a person, his or her desire and intent. A testament is the physical documentation of a person's will, codifying his or her desire and intent in the form of a legal document. A will, then, is in your head. A testament is when you write down what is in your head. This is why lawyers always ask, do you have a will and testament? 
The written testament clarifies to all parties your desire and intent and makes them verifiable in a courtroom. That is why I call the Bible the Constitution of the Kingdom of Heaven. It is even divided into two sections called the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Bible then comprises God's documented thoughts concerning his citizens, his expressed will, desire and intent for the human race he created in his own image. A will kept in one's head can never be defended in court. It is for this reason that God commanded Moses and all the other prophets in the Bible to write. He wanted a testament that could be tested or contested in the court of the universe. So we take the Bible and we bring it before the court of the universe and say, this is what my king guaranteed me. And the king says, according to my word, be it done unto you. A testament provides protection from the abuse of rights. It protects the rights of the beneficiaries of the will. If all you have is a will, how can anyone know what you want for your beneficiaries? You know what you want. But what if you die suddenly? How will your beneficiaries be protected and receive the benefits you desire for them unless your will is written down and documented legally? That is the purpose of a testament. A testament can be contested in a courtroom. There is no doubt as to what you meant. The Word of God, written down and printed in the book we call the Bible, is the most powerful document we have. It is the constitution of the kingdom of heaven, the testament of the will of the king for his citizens. Seven Principles of the Kingdom Constitution 1. The source of the Constitution is the king, not the citizens. Whereas the Constitution of the United States begins with the words, We the people, the Constitution of God's kingdom says, I the Lord. We who live in democratic states can always amend our Constitution because we, the people, created it. But we cannot change God's Constitution because we didn't write it. That is why I believe the biggest conflict in the coming years will be between the kingdom and religion. Religious people keep trying to adjust God's constitution. They debate it and discuss it and become embarrassed or angry over parts they don't like. Sometimes they even change it or water it down to make it more palatable for modern spiritual tastes. This is absolute foolishness. The king of heaven established the constitution for his kingdom, and only he can change it. But he won't. He is eternally unchanging, and so is his word, because the king and his word are the same. It says so right in the Constitution. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. Psalm 10:16. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Psalm 33:11. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. Psalm 45, 6. But you, O Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. Psalm 102, 12. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Psalm 119, 89. Long ago I learned from your statutes that you established them to last forever. Psalm 119, 152. The word of the king is unchanging and unchangeable. Yet hardly a day goes by without some religious leader somewhere going on some talk show or on a cable news channel and expounding his or her opinion about issues of the day that the Bible addresses plainly. When asked about gay rights or gay marriage or abortion or the like, they speak as if these and other matters are open to debate. In religion, perhaps they are, but not in the kingdom of heaven. In my travels all over the world, I am asked frequently to respond to these kinds of questions. 
I always frame my answer from a kingdom perspective. A typical interchange might go something like this. Dr. Monroe, what do you think about homosexuality? What are your thoughts regarding abortion? I have no thoughts about those things. But you are supposed to be a man of God. I have no thoughts about these things because an ambassador never gives his personal opinion. It's illegal. My personal opinion is out of bounds. Others who represent a religion may express their opinions. But I do not represent a religion, not even Christianity. I represent a government, the kingdom of heaven. I am an ambassador, and ambassadors do not give their opinion. However, my government's position is, and then I quote from the Constitution, the Bible. In the kingdom of heaven, we do not have the privilege of tampering with the Constitution. It is not our document, it is the king's. And kingdom citizens obey the law of the king. Two, the Constitution contains the benefits and privileges of the citizens. It spells out the advantages that come with being a kingdom citizen, as well as everything the citizens can expect from the king. In the Bible, these often take the form of promises. Here are just a few. Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or, What shall we drink? Or, What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6, 31-33 Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3:16 I tell you the truth whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned he has crossed over from death to life John 5:24 Do not let your hearts be troubled trust in God trust also in me in my father's house are many rooms if it were not so I would have told you I am going there to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. John 14, 1-3 Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Matthew 18, 19 and 20 Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Luke 12, 32 each of these benefits or promises was spoken by Jesus, the Son of God, who came to earth in human flesh to announce the return and restoration of the kingdom of heaven on earth. 3. The king obligates himself to the tenets of the Constitution. A king and his word are the same, and when he speaks, his word becomes the Constitution. So when a king's word is spoken or written down, the king is obligated to carry it out. That is why the Bible states that whatever God says he will do, and whatever he promises, he will bring to pass. Once the king of heaven speaks, it is as good as done. God cannot fail to keep his word, for if he did, he would cease to be God. 4. The Constitution contains the rights established by the king for the citizens. In addition to the benefits and privileges accruing to kingdom citizens, the Constitution also delineates and sets forth their rights, Rights in a constitution are important because they are the grounds for making law, which is the next stage. If I said to you, I give you my car, my house, and my boat, 
I have just expressed my will. If I then document it on paper, it becomes a testament in your constitution. Now, I have to make sure that laws exist to protect what I gave you. At that point, I would call in a lawyer to draw up a formal document, because a lawyer knows the law of the environment to protect the piece of paper that states my will for you. The lawyer reads it and makes sure it is in a certain form where it becomes integrated into the system of society with the rights to protect it. Then, if someone contests it, you can go to court. The court is the law, and the court says, This is a legal document. Everything written here he has a right to receive. So the Constitution contains your rights, and the laws protect them. Therefore, the Constitution is the source of law. It is not the law itself. If God says, I will bless you, I will prosper you, I will make your name great, that's Constitution. If he then says, if you obey me and keep my word and walk uprightly, he has given you laws that set the conditions for the benefits and privileges to apply. The government says you are free to do commerce, to lease, to buy property, and so forth, as long as you pay taxes, do not break the law, obey the social order, and respect people's property. They give you all these constitutional rights, but they are contingent upon your honoring the laws. The kingdom of heaven is no different. 5. The Constitution cannot be changed by the citizens, only by the king. This principle should be perfectly clear by now, and needs no further elaboration. 6. The Constitution is the reference for life in the kingdom. How are kingdom citizens supposed to live? What are the values, the ethics, the moral code, and standards of behavior for citizens of the kingdom? And where can they be found? In the Constitution. God's standards for life in his kingdom are found throughout the Bible such standards as these. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet. Exodus 20, 3 through 17. And... Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 3-10. 7. The Constitution contains the statutes of the kingdom. Statutes are fixed, predictable standards. Teach me your statutes, King David of Israel says. Normally, where the word statutes shows up, you will find laws in the same sentence. Statutes give the physical image of law. That's why we call a carving in stone a statue, or we call it an image. Image is the same as statue. A statue is permanent. A statue means simply a fixed, predictable image or standard. Think about a statue in your town. When it rains, does the statue change? What if it snows? What if the temperature tops 100 degrees? If you spit on it, curse it, hate it, does the statue change? Of course not. It remains the same no matter what. A statute is the same way. That is why laws are called statutes. A statute does not adjust itself to the times. A statute does not accommodate the environment. It remains consistent within the changing environment. 
a statute is not affected by the conditions around it. Some people think the constitution of the kingdom of heaven needs to be changed or reinterpreted to accommodate modern times, values, and mores. On the contrary, the kingdom constitution is an unchanging standard against which all modern values, mores, beliefs, and ideas must be measured. Without some dependable, righteous, unchanging standard, society will collapse. We can see signs of it all around us. The Constitution contains the statutes of the kingdom. One time Jesus said these words, Heaven and earth will pass away before my statutes change. I will move the heavens and the earth before I move my statutes. See Luke 16.17.21.33 Who are we to dare to think that we have the right or the authority to change or set aside the statutes that the King of Heaven has set in place? Religious people can do that any time they want, because they are not really in the kingdom. Kingdom citizens, however, cannot. Our Constitution says, The word of the Lord stands forever. 1 Peter 1, 25a Principles 1. Every kingdom has a constitution. 2. The constitution of a kingdom is the documented will, purposes, and intent of the king. 3. In a kingdom, the constitution is a royal contract that the king has with his subjects his citizens. 4. A kingdom constitution is the document that constitutes the king's desire for his citizens. 5. The constitution in a kingdom constitutes the expressed will of the king. 6. The Bible is the expressed will of the king in written form. It is the constitution of his kingdom. 7. The words of the king become the law of the land. 8. The constitution is the will and the testament of the king for his citizens. 9. The Bible comprises God's documented thoughts concerning his citizens, his expressed will, desire, and intent for the human race he created in his own image. Alright, y'all. That was chapter 7. That was chapter 7 of Kingdom Principles. Um, I love you guys. I will get some little nuggets out of it. Like when he was saying the Bible is constitution and how we don't go back and forth with people. What God's word says is what God's word says. Ain't no if, ands, or buts about it. We're part of a different government. Yeah, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. So we move different. Kingdom people are recognized. Kingdom people are noticed by the outside world because they're living the opposite of the outside world. So that that what makes us stand out. So I love you guys. And if you're not in the kingdom, if you want to know the beginning steps of getting in the kingdom, first you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. No man comes to the Father except through the Son. Second, you have to ask. Second, you have to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Which he did, he died for you, he died for me, he died for the world. And thirdly, you have to ask him to come into your heart and to save you and forgive you of your sins and you will be saved. If you did that, welcome to the winning team. It ain't got to be me, but get with you a life coach. Ask God to help you find you somebody that's teaching kingdom principles. And you get with that person and you buy your courses and you get your one-on-ones. Um... If anybody on here would like one-on-ones with me, we can start out. I do free conference calls every Tuesday at 7 p.m. We can start out that way to see if I'm a good fit for you or if you're a good fit for me. Um, 
You can send your email to booksmooktina at gmail.com. That's booksmooktina at gmail.com. And I will send you your access code and the call-in number. Have a great day.